you find verse 1, we'll be reading through the whole psalm here. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your continents, for all of our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seventy-three, or seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have even that we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our, of our hands. It's important to read through the Psalms from start to finish, I believe, and a long number of Bible passages in order to get the sense of the way it lays out. Moses was described as a as the meekest man that was on the face of the earth. Moses had a number of highlights and lowlights in his life. And if you'll notice there in Psalm 90, this psalm is attributed to Moses and his writings. And I look at Moses and I say, what occasion could Moses have written this psalm? I wonder about things like that, but I also wonder about what high points or what low points Moses would have sung this psalm. Can you imagine him there at the base of Mount Sinai observing those who had perished because of their rebellion at the hands of the Levites and singing the psalm, Oh Lord, you have been our... Uh, dwelling place in all generations, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, and talking about the wrath of God brought down upon his people. I wonder if Moses, after the rebellion, uh, there at, uh, uh, whenever the people said, you know, we don't have anything to eat, all we have is just this miserable manna there in uh, Numbers chapter 11, if Moses, at the graveside of all of those Israelites who had rebelled, sang the song, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I wonder if Moses, sitting there beside the graveside of his sister Miriam, 
thought about how swiftly life had passed. Miriam had been the one who had followed the basket all the way down the Nile to the point where Pharaoh's daughter saw it and pulled him out of the water. And now it was that Moses had watched his sister pass away and perhaps he was thinking about the psalm. Perhaps he was singing the psalm to himself. I wonder if the end of Moses' life as he was up there on the top of Mount Nebo, you remember God allowed him to go up there, but he said, Moses, you're not allowed to go into the promised land at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. It finds a picture of Moses watching the children of Israel going into the land, going maybe across the Jordan, and Moses getting perhaps a panorama in his mind's eye or maybe a picture that God had given him of the entire land and the beauty of it that he had spent the last 40 years leading Israel through or leading Israel to and wasn't allowed to go in and singing the psalm. There are a number of changes even within our lives. Steve brought that up this morning and saying the only thing sometimes we can count on in this life is the fact that things are going to change. And in a lot of cases, that's true. If I don't have my anchor as God, you can absolutely be sure that I'm not going to be equipped to deal with some of those life changes. A death in the family, a relationship that's not what it was, a husband that says, I don't love the wife anymore and decides to leave her for somebody else, or children that grow up and, and go off away from home. There's a number of changes that we deal with in our lives. But you get a sense in this psalm of the passage of time, the frailty of man, and really almost, in my estimation, kind of a sense of melancholy with regard to the lyrics. But always, 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 a point back to the constant God with whom we can place our trust. And so as we break down this psalm tonight, note a couple of different points based upon this. Number one, realize that Moses tells us in the psalm that God's place is always going to be constant. God's place is always going to be constant. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were ever brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and all the world, and from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It is impossible for me to fathom how God could have always been there. I try and reach back with my mind and I go, was there ever a time where God was not? And the answer is no. And you go back as far as you can, as far as we can possibly remember in human history, and God was still there, and God has been all the way from everlasting. But then trying to reach the other direction. And how some men have tried to describe eternity about if you had, I don't know if you've ever heard the illustration, about if you've had a, a ball bearing the size of the earth, and you had a little ant that decided to start walking all the way around the earth. And by the time the ant had walked around that same course all the way around the earth, one time to make a, a, a time enough to make a, a, a divot in that ball bearing an inch deep, attorney wouldn't even even start it. It's hard for me to imagine. But to realize God's place is always going to be constant. Folks, he is the anchor that we can moor our ship to. He is the anchor that we can hold on to whenever storms of lives come and whenever it is that times get difficult and when the changes in our lives happen. Before there were ever mountains and we look at the big mountains and we say, those have always been there. Before that, there was God. God is secure from everlasting to everlasting. It is comforting to know that God's always going to be in the same place. I'm always going to find God exactly where he is. I can find him on the pages of his word. 
I can find them in the beauty of creation, although, again, as we mentioned from Psalm 19 several weeks ago, creation is not going to tell me what I need to do in order to be right with God. I can find God, and I can realize that as He stays in the same place, what I need to do is I need to check where I am in relationship to Him. And that's really what the psalm is asking a question about. Realize this, that Moses says in verses 3 to 6, God's love is always going to be concerned. He says, you turn men to destruction and say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past, and like a watch in the night you carry away like a flood. They're like a sleep, in the morning they're like the grass which grows up, in the morning it flourishes and grows up, and in the evening it's cut down and withered. Mark in your Bible or in your uh, sheet uh, of the, uh, the time words here in verses 3 to 6. The time words, note them. A thousand years, yesterday. They're like a watch in the night. They're like a sleep. They're like grass. They're like the grass in the morning and the grass in the evening. The emphasis is, folks, we're just here for a short time. James chapter 4 would say, what is your life? It's but a vapor that appears for a short time and then vanishes the way. And all of this is linked back to verse 3 as he says, you turn men to dust, powder, earth, and you say, return, O children of men. Brothers and sisters, God is concerned with how we use our time. Are we using our time effectively? One man made this observation. We can have three ways that we can use our time and like money. We can spend our time, we can use it for something that may or may not be beneficial, we can waste our time. We talk about killing time, don't we? We kill time, as if you could kill time without injuring eternity, David Thoreau said. We spend time, we can waste time, or we can invest time. Learning, knowing, growing, being faithful in the little things like we talked about this morning. You know, God's love is concerned with how you're using your time and how I'm using your time. God sees from everlasting to everlasting. He sees the big picture. Do we see the big picture? Do we see what's really important? Because God sees it and he says, this is what you need to concentrate on. Note how short your life is. Note how I'm concerned that you're going to have to stand before me and you're going to have to stand before me unprepared. God's love is always going to be concerned. And realize this. The next section, God's wrath is always going to consume, verses 7 through 12. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all, all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they're 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it's soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a cart of wisdom. Note again, Israel had a long and tumultuous history with the God of heaven. And they were on the receiving end of God's wrath and God's punishment a number of times. Again, you don't have to look far in the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers, to realize that Israel made a number of poor choices. But look at the anger words here. We have been consumed, verse 7, by your anger, by your wrath. Verse 9, for our days have passed away in your wrath. Verse 11, who knows the power of your anger, for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. 
What's the reason for that? Verse 8 tells us clearly, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your counsel. But again, note the turning of the clock. Verse 9, all of our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. Verse 10, the days of our lives are 70 years. If I read them strength, they're 80 years. And again, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Brothers and sisters, if we have eternity in mind, if we realize God is looking down on us and he is concerned about how you're using your time and how I'm using my time and if we're investing it or we're wasting or we're just spending it, the question is, at the very end, there's going to be no free passes. God is going to punish sin. God is going to punish iniquity. And we live our lives sometimes without that in mind. But, but what God is counseling us to do and really uh, and, and looking at in Psalm 90 is saying, how am I conducting myself? A daily prayer that we ought to be praying. Again, Psalm 90 is one of those wonderful uh, psalms to be able to pray back to God. But pray just verse 12. God, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. I'm just here, God, for a short time. How should I conduct myself? Well, it doesn't matter if I'm older, if I'm younger, if I'm middle-aged. Again, as we mentioned last, last week, we're all marching towards an inevitable end. There's going to have to come a time where we deal with the four choices that we made. There's going to have to come a time where there's a reckoning coming for the sins that we've committed in the body. It ought to be something that terrifies us, falling into the hands of an angry God, uh, unprepared. There is wrath there waiting to be poured out. What's evidence of God's long-suffering towards us? What's evidence of God's compassion as we talked about? It's the fact that God hasn't sent Jesus Christ back yet. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The time you and I have been given to make our lives right right now and to consider our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom right now is God being patient with us over the passage of time. Note the last section. God's compassion will always be celebrated. Seems like to me that there is a different tone and a different set of words in this section. Note the loving words just for a moment. Return, O Lord, and how long? And have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Let us be glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we've seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your children and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You've got loving words in this section. Compassion, verse 13. Mercy, verse 14. Glory, verse 16. Beauty, verse 17. You've got happy words in this section. Verse 14, satisfy, rejoice, be glad. Verse 15, be glad. Verse 17, let your beauty be upon us. But still, there's the constant ticking of the clock. Verse 13, how long, O Lord? Verse 14, satisfy us early. All our days, verse 14, our years, verse 14. The beautiful thing about God is God hasn't left us alone to face his wrath. He hasn't left us to where we're going to go off the cliff one way or another and we're going to face that wrath at the end. The beauty of that is that God has established a people 
through Jesus Christ today. He had established a people through Israel by bringing out the seed of Abraham out of the land of Israel, out of the land of Egypt, rather, into a promised land. So he could establish a special people by through whom he could bring forth a special heir, the son of David, to save us from our sins. And we can celebrate tonight God's compassion. We can celebrate his grace and we can have joy all our days because of what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of the psalm. And so we sit here tonight thinking about how frightening it would be if we had the knowledge that we were heading towards an inevitable end to meet God and we were going to meet God unprepared. Can you imagine standing before the judgment bar of God without the blood of Jesus cleansing you from your sins and realizing there are going to be some who are not able to stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus. There are some that are going to cower before him. Now, based upon that compassion that we've received, does it not compel us to go and share that compassion with somebody else? And to let them know this is not just for us. You don't have to stand before God at the end of your life unprepared. You can be right with him because of his grace that he brought to us through Jesus Christ. I now can sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. There are people in your life and in my life there are people that you encounter on a daily basis who are ready to stand before God unprepared, who are going to stand before a God unprepared, who are going to be on the receiving end of his wrath. And the clock is ticking. What are we doing with the time that we have, Christians? How are we helping those people to come to understand the grace, the mercy that we've received? Do you want them to stand unprepared before God on the day of judgment? Do you want them to cower and to hear, depart from me, I never knew you? You be the one that opens up the door, that shows them eternity, that shows them the everlasting God, that shows them that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, to show them the wrath of God that's coming upon the sons of disobedience, to show them and to tell them it doesn't have to be like that. Always, brothers and sisters, the clock is ticking. What are we doing with our time? Teach us to number our days that we may gain heart of wisdom. Let's stand to sing our invitation song.